0: Thanks for listening to the Mercy Church Podcast. If you're in the area, we want to invite you to join us the last weekend in March as we celebrate Good Friday and Easter Sunday. Good Friday services will be at 6 p.m. on Friday evening. And then on Sunday morning, we invite you to join us for a time of worship, a message, and baptisms. Bring your friends, your family, and if you feel so led, invite your coworker, cashier, or barista to join you. Services will be held at regular service times at all campuses. To learn more, visit mercycharlotte.com slash events. Again, that's mercycharlotte.com slash events. All right. Well, we are in uh, in the book of Proverbs and going through a series in Proverbs. I want to set up this particular uh, message that we have in Proverbs for you. If I told you right now that just before I got up here, we had held a raffle with the names of everyone who had who had logged in, or who had RSVP'd, in some way, let us know that they're coming to today's service. And the winner gets an all-expense-paid trip to the Bahamas for you and three close friends of yours. If your married spouse doesn't count, okay, this is a guy's trip or girl's trip, all right. So this is, but the catch is that without telling those three friends what's going on, you got to convince them to arrive at the church by the end of the sermon, and they got to be able to share three things that you have going, in, going on in your life that they are praying about for you. Could you make that happen? Maybe you're thinking like, I'm gonna start making friends with the people that are right near me. I'm gonna start making brand new friends right now. I can make it try and scramble and make it happen. But do you have three friends who know three things going on in your life that they are actively praying about for you? Listen, here's why I ask. I'm going to show you what the Bible, specifically the book of Proverbs, says about friendship today. But there's this concern I have that you might overlook the significance of friendship because it doesn't seem urgent or pressing in your life. But what I want you to see this morning is that God's greatest gift to you on planet Earth are friends. People who will travel through life uh, with real, close, Jesus-loving friends. Those people will have less stress, better marriages, fewer financial troubles, better kids, more joy, and fewer heart attacks than people who go through life without them. Here's the main point today. Jesus-loving friends are God's primary instruments of love, of blessing, and of formation in your life. Jesus-loving friends are God's primary instruments of love, blessing, and formation in your life. And I'm confident that you will not make it in life unless you're good at choosing, building, and maintaining those kind of friendships. Now, the good news is Proverbs, the book of Proverbs, is full of wisdom about friendship. In fact, the more you read it, you start to see it's a real pillar in Proverbs, so I want to show you what Proverbs says about friendship. Here's the way we'll break it down. I want to show you, it's going to say why real, close, Jesus-loving friends are so important. And then how to be a real, close, Jesus-loving friend. Why they're so important and how to be a good friend. And by the way, in how to be a good friend, that's also, you could say, what to look for in the friends that you make. Okay? And then at the end, I want to address, if we got time... Um, some common objections I hear when it comes to building these kinds of friendships. Uh, Specifically, I'll talk a little bit about community groups at mercy church and what might keep you from those. What are some, even if they might not even be objections, maybe just see them as hurdles. Like you got to get past these, if it's going to work, that's at the end though. All right, let's start with this in Proverbs. Why God says real close, Jesus loving friends are so important. Here's the first reason. Friendship is the fundamental expression of Christian love. This is Proverbs 27, 10. I'm going to read you what will happen is I'll show you a couple of Proverbs. Again, when we get into Proverbs, because we're kind of surveying the way Proverbs works... Um, Chapters 1 through 9 are like a letter. Chapters 10 through 31 are really like a, a bunch of sayings and what we do. It's like if you think of a rope with many threads kind of bound together, we're going to pull on the friendship thread, and I'm going to show you the whole thing. So it'll feel like a survey, and then you can go back and kind of study through it, okay? But here's the, when I say friendship is the fundamental expression of Christian love. Proverbs twenty-seven 10, don't abandon your friend or your father's friend. Don't go to your brother's house in a time of calamity. Listen to me this one's so big, especially in a mobile society that we are in. Better is a neighbor nearby than a brother far away. I want you to, I probably want that one to resonate with you specifically, um, maybe more than any of these other ones, consider the implications of that for the way your life is wired up right now. Proverbs eighteen twenty-four: A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. That word sticks there, that's the same Hebrew word from Genesis 2 that's, that's cleave, talking about a man leaving father and mother and cleaving to his wife. Now listen, that alone might make a lot of us uncomfortable. <laughs> but uh, I share that to show you the significance and depth of what we're talking about in friendship. Closer than a brother. I'm not sure if you're close to, if you have siblings, if you're close to them. I love my two brothers. I consider myself pretty close to them. But even if you are, it's most likely not the kind of closeness that families had in the culture that this was written into. This was written into a strong group culture dynamic. Your family was like the sun that the rest of your life orbited around. And Solomon is saying, there is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. That's very close. What's he getting at? Well, here's a couple of things. First, Friendship, and I want you to think about it because we're reading Proverbs through the lens of the cross as the New Testament church. Friendship in Christ, in God's family, has a different starting point than your sibling relationships in your family. Your starting point is your shared identity in the gospel, not your shared gene pool in your family of origin. Secondly, you choose your friends. You don't choose your family, right? Like, Real close, Jesus-loving friendships, that requires a mutual commitment to one another. And the proof, you know, of course, is if you ever had someone that they think of you as their best friend, but you didn't feel the same way, right? And if you're like, no, I've never had that. That means you're the friend, all right? So uh, (laughs) sorry to to share that. It's okay, right? Because we're talking about how to build good, mutual, Jesus-loving friendships, right? Scripture's saying, though, that there's something found in friendship that is beyond what any other relationship can provide, even, listen to me, even different than what a spouse can supply. Think about Jesus' last words to his disciples before he's arrested and crucified in John 17. What does he spend time talking about? and spend time praying to God about its friendship, about their unity with one another. He prays, Father, let them be one. Listen to this. Let them be one as we are one. He's asking that these disciples, this group of friends, would experience a kind of community that reflects the very Trinity itself. Catch this, church. The Christian doctrine of the Trinity, that God is three in one, directly informs the kind of friend that you are. Christians believe there's one God who exists in three persons. God was not some sad, lonely being who needed to create people so that he could have somebody to talk to. No, God existed and still exists in mutually committed, submitted community. And he created us to experience that kind of love in him with one another. The model... For real, close, Jesus-loving friendship is the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. <laughs> the shared identity, we are one in Christ Jesus, and the power to be a friend is found in the Spirit of God that binds us together. All right, So when we experience true friendship that's based in our identity in Christ, that is empowered by God's Holy Spirit binding us together, we are experiencing a, dim- a dimension of God himself that he designed us for. And on the flip side, if we remain in isolation from that, we experience a subhuman life. We experience less than what we were created, than what humanity was created for. According to John 17, the distinguishing mark of Christians would be love, how they love each other. It'd be friendship. Because in our friendships, non Christians, here's what he says he says, I want them to be one so that. The world may believe that you sent me so they'll come to know me. See, it would be our friendship. Non-Christians would see a reflection of the Trinitarian God who created them, and then they would be drawn into that love. The same way we are drawn into the love of God, the Father, God, the Son, God, the Holy Spirit. That kind of friendship, y'all listen, that is not a kind of friendship that's um, prioritized or I would say even prized at all, valued at all in our culture that we live in. Uh, I was looking, just thinking about the different areas that kind of reflect and show us the way culture feels. Of course, music is one of those. Um, Music uh, in particular prizes romantic love almost exclusively. I researched this week. I listened to Spotify's like top 20 list. It um, It was enlightening. But everyone from Cardi B to Justin B to Jason D is talking about, like romantic love. And that's being generous. I don't know what Harry Styles is talking about at all. So I can't even tell you what, what that is. But, um, if you, if you come back at me and you're like, well, yeah, but what about like the show friends? All right, listen, that last episode aired that when Rachel got off the plane, that aired about the same time. Some of those college students that we have right now were born. So you're old. That's what I'm telling you with that part right there, okay? That's an old show. And that show was about romantic love more than friendship, if you really watch it, right? Look, while, but while this friendship is not prized like romantic love, people crave it. They crave real friendship. You know why? It's because we're created for it. We're made in the image of God. So even if you can't describe that craving, you don't, you're not able to articulate that you have it. You still express it. I see people, uh, I see married people that will put absurd amount of expectations on their spouse because they're trying to get out of a spouse of friendship that they should be finding in fellow believers. Um, Social media scrollers, right? Pastor Joey called it scrolliosis. That's looking for friends. So what's going on there? We want to be known. We want to be loved. Looking for friends. Everybody's looking for friends. It leads me right to another reason I want to show you uh, from Proverbs that God says friends are so important. Listen, you were created in the image of a Trinitarian God. That informs your friendship. That's why friendship is so, so important, because you, you get to experience fully who you are as a human, who you are in Christ in friendship. But listen, not only are they a fundamental expression of Christian love, listen, your friendships form you. If there was one other, other verse that I'd say would be the, the like key to memorize out of this, Proverbs thirteen twenty, The one who walks with the wise will become wise, but a companion of fools will suffer harm. Whew. Years ago, I heard a pastor explain this um, this way. He said, show me your friends. I'll show you your future. Show me your friends. I'll show you your future. This is one of those things that is so true. I don't need to spend a lot of time explaining it, (laughs) right? It's the need for acceptance that drives us to become like the people that we are around. We do it so much, it's even subconscious, right? The need for acceptance is so strong, so deeply rooted in us. And it's almost that way throughout all of creation. Uh, Years ago, scientists were trying to decide why Fish swam in schools together. I've shared this with some of you before. Uh, they, so what they did is they had isolated part of the brain that caused the fish to swim in schools, and they took one of the fish out, found that part of the brain, and they did a partial lobotomy, like took it out. Then they put that fish back in the water. Sure enough, he could still swim, but he swam all by himself and not in the school. You know what happened? The rest of the fish started following that fish, right? The brainless fish was leading the pack. And I thought about that uh, this week, and I was like, that's what TikTok is. That's it. I've been trying to figure it out. That's what it is right there. I, I figured it out. Um, sorry, I was, I was like too easy. Now, what do you do with it? What do you do with this reality that is really true that your friends do form you? Now, you can try. You can come back at me uh, with like just this stubborn, no. I will not be influenced by others. I'm going to be me. It is the most unoriginal thing in the world, by the way, to say I'm going to be me. But um, I'm not going to conform to anybody. I will say actually to a degree that's, that's important. You should. You should be able to stand on your own. You should be able to make decisions for yourself. That's, that's actually good. Don't just blindly follow. But there's another important side of this. You can also get some quality friends around you. And that by being more like them, the kind of friends that if you're more like them, you'll become more like Christ himself, that's what Proverbs 13 is getting at. Your present friends now is who you will be one day. So listen, this is kind of the tough spot here. Look at your close friends right now. Is that who you want to be? Look at the people. When I say close, I mean proximity, the people you're spending time with. Is that who you want to be? Parents, naturally, I got to talk to you here. If this is true, then the most formative thing for your kids is going to be their friend group, who they are around and I'm not here to, to beat you up about this and you can only decide this for them up to a certain age. But if they play 15 different sports or in 10 different school clubs and have no friendships in their local church and no meaningful connection with you, what do you expect's gonna happen when they tell you one day that they don't want anything to do with God and you say, I didn't raise them that way? Yeah, yeah, you did. And yes, yes, we did collectively. It's not what we taught them. It's the companions we allowed them to run with. And look, I know that's very much an oversimplification, but it's a common problem here in our activity. When I say here, I mean Southeast Charlotte. I mean America. It is a common problem in the activity-rich culture that we live in. Your kid can very easily grow up to be a mediocre high school baseball player and lose his soul. So young parents, my call to you is to, and the call from scripture would be to make good decisions now, right? About who their friend group is while you still have some say in that. But parents who are wondering, listen to me, if you're wondering, is it too late? It is, first of all, let me tell you something. It is never too late to obey Christ, ever, all right? In fact, I would tell you, don't underestimate the power of going to your teenage child or maybe your grown child and repenting to them for not modeling the power of real, close, Jesus-loving friendships for them. And then invite them. Tell them you're going to go first and invite them to come along with you. And then, and trust Jesus. (laughs) Pray to the Lord for your children and trust him with the outcome. Listen, here's the third reason. Let's keep going. The third reason the Bible says real, close, Jesus-loving friendships are so important. (laughs) Friends protect you from yourself. Yeah. Proverbs 27, six. All right. So I also want to say about this one that you should memorize it. So now I'm just going to be like, all oh, the Bible is important. You should read the Bible and here's some good Proverbs. Okay. Um, proverbs 27.6. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. You know this to be true. That's part of the power of Proverbs as though they're written thousands of years ago. They ring true to your life experience here now. The wounds of a friend are the words spoken to you or actions done to you that hurt in the moment, but later prove to be good for you and for your benefit. And a friend only needs to wound you and only will wound you when you are about to wound yourself way worse. That's why you need real close Jesus loving friends, because you have, and I have, blind spots. And if you disagree with me about that, then self-awareness is one of your blind spots, right? So you need those kind of friends. I've called those kind of friends uh, before sparring partners. The people you train with so that when you're in the real fight, you don't get knocked out cold. They see your blind spots. They call them out. And listen, some of you are like me. You're really thick-headed. So you need a friend who's willing to punch you in the face, all right? I've had this so many times because I'm... Like I said, I'm pretty thick-headed, I'm pretty stubborn. Uh, Pastor Scott here at our church has been one of these friends to me. A couple other guys have been these friends to me. Who is your friend that will say those things that will knock you upside the head a little bit? Maybe it's the friend that says, that guy that you are dating is awful for you. He's not into Jesus. You certainly don't want to be under his spiritual leadership, not to mention raise a kid that's going to model his character after that. Get out now and stop flirting with self-destruction. Do you have a friend like that, that you will listen to? Oh, and by the way, this is the right time to say this. Don't you lead this sermon and just start lobbing truth bombs at people, all right? <laughs> what you think are like truth bombs, okay? You got to be given and issued a license by your friend to say those kind of things. Truth in love, all right? But for real, I, I mean, I'll even take it to my own profession, I've seen too many pastors fall into, whether it's adultery or just some other, some other stuff that's just really destructive to their lives and, and to the church and everything else. Almost always, the common denominator is that they were isolated, no friends. The way David Pallison says it, is that things in a secret garden almost always grow mutant. Things are right. Here's the last thing I'll say uh, before we get into how to be a good friend. The reason the Bible says that real, just real close, Jesus-loving friends are so important, friends care for you when life falls apart. There's another book Solomon wrote right after this one. He had, he had this really interesting, I would say, culturally uh, off for us, but appropriate at the time way of making this point. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 11, listen to this. Two are better than one, I'll skip ahead a little bit, for if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. That makes sense. Again, this is the part that gets a little funny. If two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? Basically, when you lie down and life's cold, you need someone to spoon with. Who's that friend? That's really it. That's what he's saying there. Right? C.S. Lewis said it. More serious note. When you go through pain... It's not theological reasoning you most need. It's just the slightest touch of human sympathy. It's the closeness of a friend. Studies have shown that women without a close friend are 10 times more likely to go through depression. Proverbs 18, 24, y'all, again, a man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. You see that word companion that contrasted with friend? Companion, I want you to think maybe in our day, social media followers right? Think friend request, friend. Think water cooler or lunch table companion. That's the difference between that kind of person and the person who will speak into my life either to rebuke me or care for me. All right, with that said, let's talk about how to be a good friend, what to look for, what do we do with this? All right, here's the first one. A Jesus-loving friend loves Jesus. (laughs) Loves Jesus. That one might seem too easy, but it's the most important. If you become like those you are around, you need to make sure your closest friends are people who inspire you with their own walk with Jesus. And if you come back with, yeah, but aren't we supposed to be like friends with non-Christians? Of course, absolutely. But remember, just like the Trinity invites us into the friendship love of God himself, you need Jesus-loving friendships that you can invite those non-Christians into right? And the principle is what it is. You're a part of the body of Christ. You need others. You're a part of the family. You need brothers and sisters. And the best thing you can do for that, by the way, the best thing you can, the way to apply this is to start spending some time with Jesus. He's the one who models friendship. He's the one who gives the power for friendship. Listen, some of you have never, you're feel, I, I can only imagine, um, you have never actually had a close friendship. But more importantly, you've never experienced the love of Christ for you. You've never received the love of Christ for you. You don't need to go any further in this sermon. The only way you go further in this sermon is to go find somebody who does know Jesus, who can walk you through what it looks like to know the love of Christ. But I'll tell you right now, the love of God the Father for you. Christ has called you friend. He has set his love and affection fully on you. He sees you fully and completely. He knows all the dark spots. He knows all the baggage. And he knows where you've been hurt and he knows where it's been you and your doing too. And he has said, I love you still. I love you. I love you. I have paid the price where that sin separated you from God. I've, I've paid the price for that. And instead of pushing you away, I'm, draw, I'm inviting you to come close. Receive the forgiveness of God the Father. Receive the fellowship of God the Son, God the Spirit, God the Father receive him opening his arms, welcoming you back to himself and rest in the complete love, the only love you need, rest there. That's the love you were created for. That's what we're gonna talk about and just towards the end of this, the power of friendship, but that's where, that's where it is. I need you to hear it now. Just rest in Christ. Start with him. Listen, I'll, I'll keep going because like I said, we'll, we'll land the plane there. Second thing, a Jesus-loving friend is dependable. This is pretty practical, but Proverbs says a lot about this. Proverbs 17, 17, a friend loves at all times. And I just want you to know that nobody is lovable at all times, right? I'm certainly not, nobody, especially in 2020. Oh, but we're all, we're all a hot mess, right? A friend loves you when you're in a rough spot, when you're annoying with your own little pity party you're throwing yourself, like all times, A friend, you don't have to wonder, you don't have to know if they're going to be, you know they're going to be there for you. Proverbs 19.4 says that money is going to bring new friends, but new friends aren't always true friends. (laughs) Jesus-loving friends don't care care if you got money or not. In fact, (laughs) think of it this way, true, like the real close Jesus-loving friends, they're the ones, the kind you're after, they walk in when everybody else walks out. That's a friend you can always count on. And to become a dependable friend, like, again, we're getting practical proverbs, getting you down, it, just like real everyday life, you're going to have to free up some margin in your life, because friendship takes time. It takes openness. It takes accessibility. I think the real test for this, this is hard, because I don't always pass it, the real test for this is the moving test. <laughs> like, when's the last time you helped a friend move? You know what I mean? Like, hey, I need some help moving. Moving. Or, or did you actually sell your truck and get a car so that nobody asked you anymore? Like, which way did that go? You know what I mean? <laughs> that's that's real. And it was, again, I don't do that 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 well all the time. But my point is, we got to have margin in our lives so that when a friend calls, we say, "Yeah, I'm there for you." Right? Here, let's keep going. A Jesus-loving friend is honest. Proverbs 24:26. An honest answer is the sign of true friendship. I know this feels like what we talked about a little bit earlier, but I can't overstate it. You need friends who are willing to speak honestly with you about what they're seeing in your life. And because we're in such a like, we're in this fake, polite culture, you're probably going to have to extend trust to them, invite them into that kind of relationship multiple times before they do it. Now, once you have that, someone else has invited you to that, you speak truth in love. Speak truth in love. If you see something in that person's life that's killing them and then you avoid telling them because you don't want to hurt their feelings, you're not caring about them. You're actually caring about yourself. You don't want to go through the awkward pain of telling them. So you care too much about you not to tell them. A friend makes his friend's business his business. But again, you got to have that relationship with one another. You got to give that to one another. And that goes right to the next one. These these two are important back to back. A Jesus-loving friend is honest and a Jesus-loving friend is caring. A good friend is able to sense your emotion and is able to meet you in it. You know those kind of friends. Like, this is the thing I got to get better at (laughs) as a friend, all right? Uh, The people that are closest to me know that, that I have to get better at empathy um, I was I, one of those things that some people are wired up more for it than others. Uh, Proverbs 27, 14. He who, this is great. Solomon has such an awesome way of saying things. He who blesses his neighbor with a loud voice rising early in the morning, it will be counted a curse to him. Don't you love that? Good morning, dude. <laughs> right? I haven't had my coffee. You know, our right word said at the wrong time. I'm not ready for it. And it actually frustrates me. It doesn't help me. A real friend knows that if they have to say something that hurts, they have to say something, it'll hurt them to say it. They'll enter into my emotion, into where I am, and that's huge in my ability to receive what they have to tell me. A friend knows that sometimes I don't need a word at all. I just need your presence with me while I suffer. I've learned this, of course, uh, I think in my marriage a lot, you know, Courtney sometimes just needs me to listen to how she feels about the problem, not just, oh, well, here, let me do, if you do this, this, and this, it'll all be better. No, right? Just listen, just feel, enter into that emotion. A good friend can rejoice when you rejoice, can grieve when you grieve. Basically you're you're sticking close. Remember a friend sticks sticks so close that your think about this. Your emotional well-being is tied to their emotional well-being. Don't we need that right now? Think man. If you can be completely happy while your friend is a wreck, that's probably not a friend. It's not a real close Jesus loving friend. Like your emotional well-being is tied to one another somewhat. Now let's go to this. Where does the power for this kind of friendship come from? Because you hear this list of four things and there are others in the Proverbs. And you'd be like, man, I fall way short of this. Yes, me too. Look, John 15, Jesus says, love one another as I have loved you. Y'all, we get to know the love of Jesus for us. The ability to be a Jesus loving friend is first to experience the love of Jesus for us and to rest, make our home in it, never leave it. Think about it. Like Typically, when we let a friend down, we disappoint a friend, betray a friend. That friend distances themselves uh, most of the time, a lot of times. Maybe they turn back on you, or maybe they just distance themselves. But Jesus, (laughs) Jesus is the ultimate friend that does love at all times, right? Is dependable. Is born for adversity, the ultimate friend who cleaves to us at all times at any cost so that we won't be ruined. He says, here's how he's got these wounds that are the wounds of love. And rather than afflicting us with them, he says, no, no, no. I'm going to take your wounds on me on the cross. If you will on the cross, Christ almost lost his to an extent. Hear me lost his friendship with the father so that we can have friendship with the father. He lets you and I in. He never lets us down. God says to Jesus, basically in the Garden of Gethsemane, you got to lose your friends or you got to die. And Jesus says, I'll go and die. It's a friend who sticks to his friends, a friend who dies for us. We know this. If we believe this, there's this Liberation that comes to us that allows us to be the friend we need to be, if I know that Jesus has let me all the way in, if I know that he loves me and I know that he will never leave me, that his love for me is not, like there's not a chance that he's gonna distance himself from me. He's not going anywhere, even when I let him down. Then, because I know he has let me all the way in, I'm abiding in his love. I'm experiencing the love, the Trinitarian love. I'm getting that. That's filling me up. Then I can move outwards towards others and not be afraid of rejection. Because Jesus isn't going to let me down. I can move towards others without the fear of being let down. Because all my eggs, so to speak, are not in the human friend's egg basket. Believing this and becoming this friend, man, that's what's going to allow me to build the kind of friendships that are then going to be a blessing to my life, right? Let me end, let me end with just a couple of, um, I know we have sometimes some objections, hurdles. Let me just get real practical with you, give you some handles to how to build friends here at Mercy through community groups. I told you we got this space for you to build these kinds of friendships friendships are not automatic. Just because you want to doesn't mean they just happen. We call them community groups here. They're really the heartbeat of our church in a lot of ways, and I've been around long enough to know that the prospect, if you've never been in one, can be daunting to get into. So here's some common objections I hear, and maybe just speaking to them will will help you out. First is the one that's like, man, I'm just too busy, right? I can't just sacrifice that kind of time, especially every week. Well, I hope what you hear is based on what I said about The importance of community and the danger of life alone, I'm gonna argue you can't afford not to be in community with others. And if you say, well, look, man, the reality is I just don't want other people to know my business. Well, too bad. God already knows all your business. And I will say, if you're like, yeah, but I'm okay with that, if you're okay with a holy, perfect God who serves as judge over all mankind, with Him knowing all your business, but not fellow sinners who are also messed up knowing your business. You've probably replaced the two. And fellow sinner and their approval is actually your God. And God over here, you're seeing is just some uh, fellow not a big deal at all. And I would say replace those and be ready to go to a fellow sinner and confess and say, help me to honor the one true God. Maybe you say financially, I can't afford a babysitter every week. Well, if that's you, that's your situation. You're like, I'd love to be in community, but I got kids, can't afford that every week. No problem. Mercy is budgeted to pay for a substantial portion to reimburse you for your childcare costs so that you can attend a community group. It is that important to us. You can find more info on our website. And maybe you've had a bad experience in the past with community group. Look, I just want you to know first, I'm sorry. Like maybe whether it was at Mercy or not, I just want you to know. It stinks when you're like you put yourself out there and then you feel like it's just a mess as a result. But what I'll say is just because one didn't go great doesn't mean that the, the next group of people that you say, all right, Lord, I'm a first of all, I want you to remember you've got everything you need in Christ. You're able to go towards another group of people because you're fully rested in who you are in Christ. You're you're all of your eggs aren't in the human friend's egg basket basket but that next one might be the greenhouse for some really deep Jesus-loving friendships. And if nothing else, maybe you can help us start a new one. I just say, man, what if we use this biblical understanding of friendship to alter how we look at community, how we look at community group, realizing that God uses one another, uses us, these, I don't know how to say it, lame, dysfunctional people of all types, including you, including me, who are messed up, to somehow minister grace to one another so that we can actually get to know more of God and grow into who God created us individually to be and into the church body that God has created us to be. Listen, there are plenty more of the obstacles that, that have come up, and I would encourage you to talk with one of our pastors um, about that, and we can help you walk through whatever it's going to take to get you connected. You can go on our website. You can email any of our pastors to try and help you make that step. The point is, you were created for this. Friendship, real, close, Jesus-loving friends. Man, they are the truest expression one of the deepest expressions of God's love that He has for you here on earth. And that love, the expression of that love is found in friendship And that love, what it is in full, is the love of Jesus Christ for you. Rest in that love. Abide in that love. Make your home there today. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you so much for your love that we find in full in Christ. Thank you that Christ calls us friend, that he draws us close. God, I pray that you would grant us... um, Grace and conversations as we try to make friends with one another. As we try to grow closer and experience more of the love you have for us. Help us with that, God. Give us um, just your spirit. Bind us together. Go ahead of us. Bind us together towards one another. Thank you for your love. Thank you for (laughs) God. Thank you for loving sinners, loving people that are unlovable, like me. And giving me a model for love that I can extend to a friend. Help me to extend that love, resting fully in your love for me. I pray that in the name of Jesus. Amen.